Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. And welcome to Peace Talk, the podcast about Israel and the Middle East. I'm Jonathan Sachidotti, a Jewish journalist here in London. I am Mu'taz Khalil, Muslim Egyptian journalist, which live here in London. Coming up in this episode, we have Dor Shachar, a Gazan Palestinian who escaped to Israel and converted to Judaism. Also, we'll hear about Kanye West and his newfound regret for his anti-Semitism. When I was three years old, my grandfather told me, my land in Jaffa, the Jews have stolen it from me. When you grow up, you're going to kill the Jews and bring back the land. Thinking about the Gaza Strip as a concentration camp, I don't remember theatres and cultural centres in Auschwitz. I have a message to Kenya. This is the Arabic and the Muslim culture. If you wanted to be famous, accuse the Jews anything. But before we get to that, let's have a look at what's been catching our eye this week. I wanted to talk about this essay in the New York Times that was published on Christmas Eve, 24th of December, by Gaza City's mayor, uh, Yahya Saraj. Now, he was given this opportunity to write in the newspaper, and he was complaining that the Israeli military action in Gaza has destroyed so much of the culture of the Strip. Uh, I just thought it would be worth looking at some of the things he said in there, because I think it was unintentionally educational about the Gaza Strip for many people. So many people over time have called the Gaza Strip an open-air prison or a concentration camp. And these are obviously very emotive words. Even British Foreign Secretary David Cameron, formerly the Prime Minister, once called it an open-air prison. And I think that his own words, Sarraj's own words, demonstrate just how wrong those, those comments are. If we look at some of the stuff he said, There's this bit where he said that the Hamas administration appointed me mayor in 2019. Well, firstly, it's very interesting. We vote for our mayor here in London. Exactly. They obviously Exactly. They nominate him. And the Palestinian people don't choose him, don't elect him. So now it's a Hamas man. Exactly. So we, we know fully that if he's been appointed by the Hamas administration, as he puts it, well, he's part of the... Hamas administration. He's become the Hamas mayor of Gaza. So the paper has already chosen to give this column, this opportunity to a member of Hamas, a prescribed terrorist organization. I think that's worth noting to start. But then let's get into the meat of what he says. He says, when Israel began its war on Gaza in response to the deadly attack by Hamas, I was abroad. Now, there we go. That's the first interesting thing. I don't know many prisons where even the mayor could go abroad. Uh, Many people from Gaza actually went abroad before October the 7th. And especially Ismail Haniyeh family? Well, yes, indeed. Some of Hamas family? uh, They found those receipts for jewellery he'd bought in Qatar. Sure. And that means that he'd definitely been travelling. By the way, the Israeli TV make interview with the owner of the jewellery shop. And he said that, yes, Mr. Ismail Haniyeh come to me and uh, buy some rings and some very, very important jewellery from me. Yes, he <laughs> said this. And this is all while, of course, the Gazan people are suffering because the money has been funneled towards Hamas and enriching the leaders themselves, some of whom have, have billions. But we know also that more regular Palestinians were able to travel outside the Strip. There were influencers during the World Cup in Qatar who travelled 
to the World Cup and posted about it on Instagram and other social media platforms. So it's, it's clear that actually, if you had the money, you were able to travel out through the Egyptian border and then onto Europe or elsewhere in the Middle East. Uh, and I think he proves that himself by saying he wasn't even in Gaza when it started. Um, he then talks a bit about his priorities as mayor. So at one point, he says that he'd emphasised the importance of the seafront, making small businesses along it, a promenade, recreation areas and spaces for those businesses, which is interesting because, again, thinking about the Gaza Strip as a concentration camp, I don't remember the seafront promenade or cafes or even the theatres and cultural centres he talks about in Auschwitz. In the article, he actually mentions all these things that maybe sound a little unfamiliar to some people for Gaza. The Rashad al-Shawa Cultural Centre in Gaza City, intricately designed, he said. It's theatre, grand hall, public library, printing press, cultural salon. He goes on and on to talk about Gaza's beautiful seafront, its libraries and archives. Uh, he even talks about the Children's Happiness Centre. Now, I don't remember seeing a Children's Happiness Centre in Auschwitz-Birkenau. I don't remember exactly. any of these things existing in a concentration camp that Jews were kept in, tortured in, enslaved in and killed in. And yet people sure. still choose to describe Gaza that It's way. a crime, and Surely you know it's a crime if a Jewish in Auschwitz uh, uh, has an, a pen or has a paper. It's a crime. What is the editor-in-chief? Okay, I know that in my first day here, till now, you help me in writing something and you advise me. The idea that you're, you're focusing on there is that, of course, people write things and say things from their point of view, but there's also then the responsibility of the editors in the New York Times to somehow contextualize what, what's been written there. The idea that they've got somebody who is the Hamas mayor of Gaza City and they've asked him to write in the New York Times in a way that doesn't acknowledge for one moment that he was there responsible even for the digging of terror tunnels. It's a, it's a coalition between the left wings and the Islamists. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a coalition, like here, coalition between uh, the left and, and the Islamists. So this is not a mayor of Gaza, it's a Hamas man article. And he actually, uh, talking of that then, just to, towards the end of the article, he says things like, I feel I'm in a nightmare because I can't imagine how any sane person could engage in such a horrific campaign of destruction and death. You might think he's talking about October the 7th when Hamas stormed over the border, murdered, raped, tortured and kidnapped Israelis, whether they were babies and children or, or people much older, Holocaust survivors, the elderly or, and everything in between. But no, he's actually talking about Israel. The one word that answers that question is Hamas. And the same when he says, why can't Palestinians be treated equally like Israelis and all other peoples in the world? Why can't we live in peace and have open borders and free trade? Palestinians deserve to be free and have self-determination. It's all very rousing stuff for the New York Times, but we can answer all of those questions with the one word, Hamas. I, ha I, have, I have questions to him. Mr. Mayor, okay? Israel gave to your people 20,000 job opportunity to Gaza, to Gaza men, okay? And also let uh, the uh, uh, Qatari money to enter to Gaza Strip, okay? What they do? What they do? And what you did in Hamas as a result of that, Mr. Mayor, I'm so sorry, but all of this, it's a liar. All and, of this, it's a lie. And beyond that, you know, the idea, why can't 
they have open borders. Well, look what they did without open borders. <laughs> they built hundreds of miles of terrorist tunnels underground with sure. concrete. Sure. Nothing, it's nothing, nothing Metal for the people. Hamas. Exactly. Not, not shelters for the people living in Gaza, but shelters for the terrorists to hide under the people living in Gaza. And beyond that, the weapons, the explosives, the drones, all of the bombs, everything they've brought in, the motorbikes. From, from 2007, from they are in the power. They didn't build one tunnel to the citizen, Hamas. Okay. They didn't build one tunnel, one tunnel to the women, to the children. Also, military, military tunnel. One tunnel to the people, one tunnel to the audience. What is that? Moving on from that, um, I know that you wanted to discuss some other media peculiarities, but this time in the UK. When I see some journalists in BBC, for example, we take one example. Laila Bashar El Kulub, she is a senior journalist at BBC for BBC News Arabic. She bought in 2016 tweet she wrote on Twitter, okay, that the Zionist entity doesn't respect international law. Also, that Zionist entity doesn't respect all the agreements. They are terrorists. Now, she didn't respect Israel as a state, okay, in her mind, Israel is not a state, but they are its Zionist entity. Zionist entity. It's a very sensitive point, Joe, in Islam. Al-Kayan al-Sahyuni. This is very, this is Hamas's speech. This is jihad's speech. It's interesting because looking at her LinkedIn, it says that she is a senior online journalist who has certain responsibilities she's described. Okay. For example, commissioning and selecting relevant materials uh, to meet the expectations of audiences and adhere to the BBC's editorial policies. So I think that the BBC's editorial policies might require for their journalists covering Israel to at least okay. acknowledge that it exists. As, as a, a journalist, as a professional journalist, what do you describe if we discuss about any material, any topic about Israel? She will be fair or she will be proof Palestinian. For example, now this is a message to you, to all UK citizens, which BBC take their money, which is a UBA for, for BBC from, as, a, as, as a tax. Uh, Joe, I can. Okay, may I ask you a question? Of course. What is the definition of Mr. Mahmoud Abbas? Mahmoud Abbas, he is the president of the Palestinian Authority. Palestinian Authority. Yep. So you, now you said that you respect the Palestinian people, you respect your journalist field. So you, you didn't say that Palestinian entity. Entity, Palestinian <laughs> entity, that's correct. I think there's a problem when a journalist for the BBC is unable to say uh, the State of Israel, or at least was in 2016. Uh, we did reach out to the BBC press office to ask about this, and they sent this statement. The BBC's team of experienced editors and journalists come from across the Middle East and all around the world and are subject to the same strict editorial guidelines which cover social media use. BBC News Arabic shares exactly the same principles of accuracy and impartiality as BBC News in English, and we strongly reject the suggestion that its impartiality is compromised. And just before we tie up the conversation and move to our guest, uh, there is the news also this week that Kanye West, or Yee, who's been in a bit of trouble in the past for anti-Semitic statements and controversial statements about Jews in general online, has now tweeted in Hebrew. 
uh, and he has said that he wants to sincerely apologize to the Jewish community for any unintended outburst caused by his words or actions. It was not my intention to hurt or demean, he says, and I deeply regret any pain I may have caused. I am committed to starting with myself and learning from this experience to ensure greater sensitivity and understanding more in the future. Your forgiveness is important to me and I'm committed to making amends and promoting unity. Well, certainly I think those are uh, feelings that we can all subscribe to. I just hope it's true and real and that we can take him at his word and this will be maybe the beginning of some peace talk with Kanye, with Yi himself. So what do you think of Kanye's new apology? I come from a culture which hates the Jews. And in many, all of their, their problem, all of our problem, they accuse the Jews. So Kanye in the past did that. I have a message to Kanye. This is the Arabic and the Muslim culture. If you want to be famous, attack the Jews. If you want to be famous, accuse the Jews. Anything, anything. And say to them, if you have a crisis in your home, if you have a trouble with your money, Accuses the Jews. This is the key. This is the culture which I came from. This is the reason why many Arabs hate me here. I think it's called today uh, in UK, but the Jews is not cause that. This is this is weather. I like to think we'd have control over the weather. I'd certainly do a bit better than we have sometimes. I saw Muslim here said we wanted to kill Jews, but I hope that he will be honest and will be fair in these words. Kanye has 18.2 million followers. So I hope that they saw that, and I hope that all the Arab and the Muslims saw that, and hope he is honest and clear this time. Not accused the Jews, but to tell the truth. This is our challenge. Truth, facts. Maybe we should campaign to get Kanye on Peace Talk in a future episode. If anyone out there has got a connection, uh, we'd be delighted to help him start with that understanding in the future. And on that note, let's move on to our guest this week. Today's guest has an extraordinary and personal point of view based on his own extraordinary story. He grew up as a Muslim Palestinian in Gaza, but already by the age of 12 was very uncomfortable with the environment he was growing up in. Travelling into Israel with his father daily for work, he one day decided to escape, run away and make his own way there. Eventually, he converted to Judaism and became an Israeli citizen. He's changed his name from Ayman to Dor Shachar. So Dor, thank you very much for joining us. Your story is extraordinary. I wonder if you still have any contact with anybody in Gaza, any of the people you grew up with, friends and family, in particular since October the 7th. Thank you both. No, I have no connections with my family. For more than 25 years, I haven't been in touch with them. Even long before the 7th of October, I know who they are and I don't want to be in contact with terrorists. Because all of the population there, 99% of them are terrorists and they support the killing of Jews, and I don't want to be a part of them or to have anything to do with them. Dur, you were raised in Khan Yunis, and all of us know that it's Muhammad al-Sanwar, Yahya al-Sanwar, Muhammad Dev, Yahya Hayash, Hamahandis, come from it. 
So what they teach you in the school and what they told you about the Jewish and Israeli people? Let me explain to you how children are raised in Kanyunes and Gaza and all of the disputed territories, including Judea and Sumeria. When I was three years old, my grandfather told me, my land in Jaffa, the Jews have stolen it from me. When you grow up, you're going to kill the Jews and bring back the land. All of Israel belongs to Palestine. I used to hear my father watching the news while he would hear about the killing of Jews. He would say, thank God, I hope that all of them will die. My father worked in Israel for 27 years. He made money, brought food, clothes, presents, all from the Jews. But in the end of the day, yes to murdering them. Back then, everyone could come and go freely. There didn't used to be security checks. Whoever came was welcome, free. Entry was free. And Hamas believes that a good Jew is a dead Jew. Can you tell us about that? Correct. Let me explain to you how they treat themselves when I used to go with my mom to the market to buy sweets on the way, I saw somebody's head rolling past us like a football. I saw people who have been electrocuted. I saw people who they put in the crossroads and they cut off their heads. These people used to be considered collaborators with Israel. You understand, my dream was to be a doctor. Every child had a dream. Even you, when you were children, had dreams. You had a dream and you had a dream. What did you dream about becoming as an adult? My dream was to be a doctor. We sat in the classroom and they taught us the alphabet. Which letters did they teach us? The letters of Palestine. That's how they started. No ABCs, none. The letters start at Palestine. Math, they taught us. We had five Jews, we murdered three. How many left? Two. And we are going to murder them as well. A teacher came into the classroom. A tall man, one meter, 95, in a suit and a tie. A dignified man. And they told us, today someone special is here. I was very excited. I said, of course, he would teach us how to become a doctor. What it is to be a doctor. And then he started like this. The Jews are killing children, women, men and old people. That the Jews stole the land of your grandfathers. You are going to avenge them until the last drop of blood. The Jews all used to be Muslims and now they're infidels. Also the Christians. Whoever doesn't believe in the Quran, in Muhammad and in Islam, is an infidel. Jews have three legs and one eye on their forehead. Whoever murders the Jew is promised his place in heaven. If they kill him, he becomes a martyr and has 72 virgins. That's how they raise children. So all the children in the class are jumping up and shouting, Allah Akbar, kill the Jews. I declare there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of God. 
This is how they educate the Arabs to kill Jews and Christians. Because in this world there is no place for Christians and Jews. It's a place for Islam. This is how they bring up their children. Pay attention. When a terrorist is coming to kill a Jew or a Christian, what does he say? Allah Akbar, in the name of God, there is no God but Allah. That's how they kill Jews and Christians. Now, I want you to understand, all of the population in Gaza is divided into several groups. Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Ezzedin al-Qassam, Fatah, Palestinian Authority. All of those groups have killed Jews. In the first Intifada, terrorists used to come with bombs. In buses, they kill people in cafes, in malls, in markets. And all in the name of God, in the name of Prophet Muhammad. Do you think that's normal? Do you think this is how kids should be raised? Jewish kids are raised for peace, for love, for coexistence, to value life. You paint a, a really bleak picture of things in Gaza, especially the education, and, and that's before even Hamas was ruling. If, if that's the case, if they're teaching so much hatred and disrespect, do you think there's any hope for a Palestinian state at all? In fact, in your opinion, do you think that the Palestinians even deserve a state? <laughs> Definitely not. I think it's a danger for the state of Israel and actually for the whole world. You should know one thing, if you remember the Oslo Accords. We came and we made the Oslo Accords with them. We said, go and govern yourself. And all the terrorists that were abroad, which Israel had banished, were allowed to come back with Arafat and they gave them weapons, so they have something of their own. And actually, what did they do with those weapons that the State of Israel gave them? They shot the soldiers and the Jews. They killed soldiers. Everything good we do for them, we get something bad in return. And then there was a disengagement from Gaza. Israel left Gaza, gave them the whole of Gaza. And what happened? It's all of the rockets which were launched at Israel from these areas. Dur, uh, but many people or many Palestinians here, even the left wings, say that they go to the demonstration to put an ending to the occupation. Very Gaza, something like that. Is this correct in your point of view? Let me tell you something, it's not only Gaza. You need to wake up, it's not only in Gaza. In other Arab places, they kill them, they punch them, they hit them, they curse them. Why? Just because they're Jews. It's nothing to do with the occupation. They understand only one thing, power. Power. So I understand what you're saying about Hamas and their extremism and, and their supporters. 
And I think that the world is, is more or less united in its commitment to Israel defeating Hamas completely in Gaza. But I think that what the West is very worried about is the idea of the good Gazan Palestinians. What about them? <laughs> I want you to understand, all of the people who entered the kibbutzim across the border from Gaza, if you pay attention, there were several groups. The first group had the green band around their head, they were Hamas. And then there was a group with a black band, their Islamic Jihad. And the ones with the white band are Ezzedin al-Qassam. And then there were some wearing flip-flops and sandals, carrying knives and axes in their hands. They are the ones people call the good citizens. When one Israeli Russian citizen escaped from Hamas, after four days, the good citizens captured him and brought him back to Hamas. There are no good citizens. Forget about it. There are no good citizens. Well, that's a really sobering thought. It's pretty depressing, actually. But thank you for sharing your thoughts and experiences with us. It's, it's not often that you get to hear from people with direct knowledge like that who've come through such adversity and, and found for themselves peace in their own lives. So thank you for speaking with us and for sharing your very frank views. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. It was a real pleasure in better days. That's all we've got time for this week. But join us again soon as we hope that more talk brings more peace. Inshallah.